Good morning. Good morning. <coughs> May I introduce Professor Kettering, who will explain the process you're about to see demonstrated. Well, as you are no doubt all aware, we no longer execute our hardened criminals and killers. Modern society has progressed far beyond that primitive form of retribution. Today, science, progress, science has abolished the hangman's noose and substituted this infallible method. People Professor infallibility are usually on very shaky ground. <clears throat> For the benefit of the less sophisticated members of my audience, I will explain in very simple terms. Welcome to Two Guys, A Girl, and a Podcast. Uh, we're talking about, we have two guys today, we're talking about classic Doctor Who. Our episode we're talking about is called The Mind of Evil. I am Ken. Jeff. And uh, Mind of Evil is a John Pertwee episode written by Don Houghton, starring, and his wife is in it. <laughs> um... Before we get going, I want to mention a very weird coincidence that has occurred. This episode, The Mind of Evil, aired 1971 from June 30th to March 6th. You mean January 30th? January 30th to March 6th, yes. Mind of Evil, January 30th, March 6th. The other episode that we're recording today and we'll be posting two weeks later aired in 1975, I believe, January 31st to March 6th, almost the same days, four years later. What about the third story? That aired in January, so same huh. period. That was a two-parter because it was 2.45 minutes, and that aired in January like 5th and 12th or something like that, so it was close. And these were, we, we just picked these. We at just random. picked these at random. Not not totally random. We picked them because they were sort of in order. Order, um, which I don't know if we need to do anymore because if that we're, we're doing that for Julia, so she can kind of get continuity. We don't really need to do that, but you know, no, this gives us something so we easier to pick from. So, anyways, that was a coincidence. But before we get into Mind of Evil, do we have anything uh, Doctor Who related, news wise? No, I think Russell's starting filming. He's been posting a lot on Instagram of him and at the studios and stuff. Yeah. But there's... I mean, he could film stuff and get... Or write stuff, and he's at the studio working. I don't know. Do we, People do, keep saying, well, there's going to be an announcement. I'm like, yeah, okay, I believe when I see it. Do we have a date on when the next episode is going to be on? Jody Whitaker? I thought for sure it would be during Easter weekend. Yeah. Because, you know... Why not? Because that's when Russell used to start the, the show and it was successful because people would be home for the holiday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see if... if uh, there hasn't even been any news on that episode. Ratings are going to dwindle. Since the January 1st trailer for it. Yeah, I've been hearing... I don't read a lot of news about it, but I've heard some murmurings that the show is still in trouble, even though Russell T. Davis is working on it. That, sh that you know, they, they've been very unhappy with it and... You know, can they just hold out a little longer until Russell T. Davis can can get the other one going? You know, and see what happens. I don't know. I don't think he's going to come on, and it's going to be ratings of eight and nine and ten. I don't think it's going to be that. It's got to get out of the ones. Yeah, and, and I think it will, and I think it'll go up significantly. But unless it's, and I know everyone's like it'll be fantastic, but if unless it, it it's really good. People aren't, they're going to be like, yeah. Why don't they just 
do what everyone else is doing now and just go streaming. Star Trek is all exclusively streaming. Star Wars and Marvel shows are all streaming. Why don't you just go streaming? Do, does BBC do that? Do they have streaming products? Because they need to they have... They put a st stuff on BritBox after it airs on BBC, but yeah, but they don't do... Yeah, well, they, they, they have BBC's that license. Like for far behind well, the time. Yeah. I mean, everyone's going streaming except for the old archaic... Give us your money so we can make shows. Yep. You can have them pay for the uh, streaming service and still get money for it. But yeah, they're way behind. They don't do streaming. They do the iPlayer. Yeah. But <coughs> people use that as like a DVR type thing. They catch it whenever. Other Doctor Who related news. I have two things. One is um, I was going... I went ahead and I pre-ordered, I pre-ordered in America, Galaxy 4 is coming out April 5th, I think. So I pre-ordered that from Amazon for like 20 bucks. And as I was going through my sets of animated episodes that I've been purchasing, I came across, and this isn't animated, but I came across a unopened copy of Underwater Menace. I guess it came out with its complete episodes and photos. Yeah, it's horrible. Is it horrible? Okay, Don't maybe that's bother maybe that's why. Are they animating it at some point? Maybe I should hold off for that. I was hoping they would animate it yeah. because they can release Patrick Troutman's first group of, of episodes if they did. And with the Highlanders, that you know, put the Highlanders on. Hey, you're going to get the Highlanders if you buy the block box set. Yeah, I mean that's how I would market it to get people to buy it. Mm -hmm. I just saw the price and I said, you know, that's pretty cheap and and. You know, whatever. But for um, Galaxy Four, and, and I, I'm assuming Underwater Mass was pretty cheap when I bought it too. But um, I think I got all of them, other than like the re-release of Power. Of the, the, I can't even find my Power of the Daleks. I'm, I wonder if I lent that out to someone. <clears throat> Maybe you did. Um, I've been reading a Doctor Who book. <laughs> I haven't read a Doctor Who book in a long time. Doctor Who Scratch Man. Oh, I read that one. And I don't... I was going to research the background story to it because I, it I know it's... It was a movie, wasn't it? Yeah, I know it was a, a script idea by Tom Baker and Ian Martyr originally, way back when they had they were pushing that idea to be like a, a standalone movie. Now, I don't know who... Someone must be writing it with Tom Baker because the first half of the book is about scarecrows and it's a siege um, in a church really reminded me of and Sarah and Harry or it really reminded me of that era of Doctor Who really well written but then but then halfway through it, it they go they go to meet scratch man and then they're they're in a giant pinball machine and it really starts to bring in more current stuff like they, they start making references to a lot of aliens and then there's a woman that he meets up with that could be rose i don't i don't know yeah, yeah. The, the, the first half of the book was good then it just so i don't know what part i don't know if if the first part is the actual script and then they they mutated it i think there's a co-writer or is the last part really tom baker and that sucks and the, re the first part was better i don't know and of course, they already have done a really good Scarecrow episode in the new series, so it kind of isn't Vincent Price supposed to play? Yeah, the, the Scarecrow, the Scratchman. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'm not finished with it yet, but um, it, it's a, it's been enjoyable. Not as you know, like I said, it, the, the second half isn't as good, but still pretty good. I think that it's fr from the point of view of the Doctor, which is unusual, because um, he's telling the story to the Time Lords because he's on trial again, which is like boring. But so it, it's interesting and and you know quirky and you know it's it's a good read so far. So. Thank I you. saw a Batman, and I think it's the best Batman movie ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say. Oh yeah, it is. I thought I thought there was a lot of stuff I liked about it. Um, it was so dark. It was just like the uh, yeah. I'm, the jury's still out for me. Years, I like, love Dark Knight a lot, and it's close to that. Dark Knight had an issue at the end where <clears throat> they capture the Joker, and then after that, it got, it got kind of boring. This actually did the same thing after the. I'm not going to name anything because it's still early. Well, everybody knows what the villain is. It's well, a, it's a, a, after the villain gets, well, I'm not going to mention anything about the script either. But the last half is action, the last part, the last section is action, and it was kind of like, uh, haven't we seen this before? With you know, the, the Arkham is under attack, or, or uh, Gotham is under attack. It just seemed like a little bit of a retread. So I, I was, I wasn't as impressed. It's a very long movie, and it could have been a, a lot it shorter. Was very good because a lot of detective. work. I love the it. detective work. I love the atmosphere. I love like, the music. I love. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I like about it. The music this. was great, and it was just like you know, Batman Year One. Yeah. From the you know, yeah. a lot of yeah. comic stuff in it. Yeah. It was definitely worth watching it in the theater. I watched it in XD. Um, you know, don't you know? Don't be scared about COVID. Just go watch it. It's it's really good. And I'm still debating. You know, I. It's funny because I thought Heath Ledger's Joker was amazing, and that kind of pushes the the movie to a higher level on Dark Knight. But the guy who did this guy um, was fantastic. Yes, he was. And um, <laughs> you know, but anyways. That's our two cents about that movie. Best Batman movie ever. So let's go back to The Mind of Evil, which is a six-part episode about a machine that is supposed to be pulling people's evil thoughts out, but it's keeping them collected. And the now Keller it's machine. Keller machine, which ends up being a plot from The Master. What do we think about this episode? I think it's one of the best ever. Okay. At least one of the best third Doctor stories ever. I was having a little bit of issue watching this again because it's a, it's a it's a it's a longer episode, longer story. Um, but it's the probably the best unit story. Unit is in it quite a bit. And they do stuff instead of the typical "let's go shoot the bad guy." I mean, you got Mike Yates. Tra tracking down the master to see where he goes. You got Benton undercover unsuccessfully. <laughs> well, they got beat up quite a bit. I mean, Yates, I think, got shot twice. and Benton got a concussion. <laughs> um, they're in it a lot, and they're effective in it. Whereas when they're up against the monsters, they're shooting, and they're not doing anything, usually. Yeah, they go into the, they go into the prison and free the prison, and the Brigadier actually you know, saves the day at one point. He actually had the megaphone shot out of his hand. Yeah. Some good action, some good stunts, some good 
uh, unit stuff. So yeah, if, if you're a unit fan, this is really good. I thought, and Katie Manning has said that this is one of her favorite episodes, if not her favorite. Um, every everyone has good acting. Yeah, it's it's. And a, you watch the master in this, and you makes you wonder why can't the master be like this again? Yeah. Why does have master always have to be over the top, nutsy? Yeah. You know, stupid. I mean. I mean, the close we got was the second John Sim, where he was more darker. Yeah. Not the first John Sim, but the second one, the, with Capaldi, where he was more... And then when he first came back in, um, as um, the actor there, what's his name? Um, before he regenerated into John Sim. Derek Jacoby. Derek Jacoby did a really good job for just that couple minutes. <laughs> but then he's always been, like, Missy's been over-the-top crazy. Yeah. Uh, the one with Jody Whitaker, he's like, off the wall, bouncing off the wall. It's just yeah. I don't like them. I mean, Johnson improved right toward the end, in his last episode especially. Missy had moments, and the new one I can't stand at all. I cannot. And, and part of it is because the story around him sucks. But he just when he came on, and started laughing, I was like, this is almost the same feeling as I had with John Sim when he, when he's when he turns everyone turns into him. It's just ridiculous. And I'm sitting there telling, oh, guys, John, you're going to love The Master because John Sim's a great actor in Life on Mars. And then you watch this, and I'm like, I'm sorry, everyone. I apologize, but when actors that are good go to Doctor Who, they suck, you know. They just, you know, you watch what the new show does with The Master, and they totally don't, you know, it's ruined. It's like got to be this off-the-wall bonkers and then you you go to Big Finish, and they do the master. They do the master really well. And then you're just like, why can't the new production get the master right? I mean, you look, look at Delgado. I mean, even Anthony Ainley, he was not bonkers. I mean, he had his moments, but he wasn't. He was more serious. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay, this guy's threatening. And you look at the other ones, you look like, oh, okay, I can't take him seriously. Well, I mean, the good thing with Anthony Ainley is... is with all these other masters that we've seen, he's now not the worst. <laughs> That's true. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of Anthony Anley either. I, I thought he had a couple of good episodes, but um, he wasn't really that good. And compared to Roger DeGallo, though, and I think when I we first saw, I first saw Anthony Anley, I hadn't maybe hadn't seen. I hadn't seen Roger DeGallo either. And or or or. I don't remember the timing because I remember around here they started showing the third Doctor around the same time that they're going to the fifth. Maybe. We got the fifth before we got the third. It depends what channel you watch it. Plus, he was in the fourth for a, a few episodes, too. So, um, yeah. So, for a brief period of time, we had Anthony Anley as a... Hell, well, even I'm the sorry, Peter Pratt like, Master is better than the new production Masters we yeah. have now. And he said, all he did was sit in a chair. Yeah. So, um, so Roger is fantastic in this. The supporting cast is really good. And he doesn't say anything like the first two episodes. He's just there listening. Yeah. And plotting. And you're just like, you can see how sinister he is without having to say a word. Mm -hmm. Sitting in the back of the limousine, smoking on a cigar, listening and plotting and putting things in motion. And he's not even saying anything, and you look and you're like, well, he's like, he's really acting sinister without even saying a word. There's a little bit of repetition, repetition with repetition with him, where he his master is like, here's my plan, and the doctor goes, 
what about this? And he goes, oh, I didn't think of that. And then they're they're working together, kind of trying to. Sometimes that happened. They, it seemed to happen quite often. So so his storyline was usually, I'm gonna, you know, he's under disguise. Uh oh, it's the master comes up with a plot. The plot's too big for the master. The master says, "Wait a minute!" And then at the end, he, he you know, so it's there was a little bit of rep repetition when when those types of stories, but they're good stories, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, <clears throat> um, now, I'm going to make a comment. I know we're we're off topic a little bit, but when I first saw this episode, and probably you, it was in black and white. Yes, and because the color videos of this episode were completely destroyed. There was no color version of this at all. This was a black and white story. And I, we could do a whole podcast on we've seen black and white episodes, because obviously the first two Doctors were in black and white. John Pertwee had a, a handful of episodes that we saw in black and white. And this was um, one of them. Mind of Evil, Damon's uh, Terror of the Autons were three of them. Ambassadors of Death. Ambassadors of Death. And I felt that I love those episodes in black and white. I thought that Damon's looked fantastic and very moody, hammer film type black and white. But when we got them in color, <clears throat> they didn't look quite as good. I think. And that maybe that's just it's my opinion, but Ambassador's Death in Color, it was fantastic to see them because that's how they were originally filmed. It wasn't like they were colorized. <clears throat> they were supposed to be in color. But with the color separation, it, the Damons, it doesn't look quite Especially as good. Especially <clears throat> in part episode 6, you can really see the bleed through. Mm -hmm. So, that's just a minor criticism, but it was fantastic to see this film, in this Mind of Evil in color, when it came out on DVD a few years ago. The process that they use this for, is a, it's just an amazing technology, where... They took a, 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 a film projector and filmed it off of whatever whatever the technology is, and we I, it's been a while since I've read about it. There's these little color uh, chroma dots that are on the prints, and they were able to extract color information from it. It was really fantastic, and they were able to. And when you watch it, it doesn't look like a colorized feature. It, it, it's very like very with the Lauren Hardy, yeah. They, or the old movies, and they colorize it, and it looks cheap. Yeah, this was this, this was like the best colorization, and it's not controversial. It's not like oh, why they colorize it? It's because that's what it was supposed to be in the first place. And it's pretty close. There's a few um, Planet of the Daleks might have an episode where the color doesn't look quite as good, but um, it, or is it Planet of the Daleks? Or, or yeah, there was an episode Planet. And Invasion of the Dinosaurs, too. Dinosaur. One. There's a couple of them that, that don't look as good. But this one, I'm watching it, and it doesn't look... It doesn't bother me at all. It looks really good. looks like they could have... And they did have... Some of these episodes, they had video color copies. Like, Ambassador's Death, there was a NTSC copy that someone had video recorded in America or, or Canada in color. And so they were able to also use that as a source to get really good. Inferno, I think we saw in color for the first time, but um, that was close because they had just found a color copy of it, I think, because initially 
I, I had a friend of mine who said he watched Inferno, but it was in black and white, so it was before. I saw him for the first time. It was in color. Yeah, but uh, it was fifty-seven. <clears throat> only showed the colored episodes yeah. of John Pertwee. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, really good story. Yeah, you're sitting there, you're watching this story. You know how many times the master could have killed the doctor? Yeah, it must have been over, like over between five and ten times. With the doctor just sitting there, he's pointing the gun. And I'm just like going, "Why didn't you just kill him right now?" And you could take over the take over the world. Yep. Um. At one point, the doctor said, or someone says, "The mind of evil." So I was like, uh, "You know, I wonder how many uh, stories of Doctor Who do they actually say the title of the episode?" Yeah, you know, like that. There, no one ever said "Attack of the Cybermen" or "Day of the Daleks" or "Seeds of Doom," but this was the mind of evil. It was, um, you know, obviously something like Dalek and stuff like that is obvious, but. This was. Uh, it was well written. I like the uh, the um, um, <clears throat> Joe and and the Doctor are really good. They're probably my second favorite companion team behind um, uh, Doctor and Sarah, um, Fourth Doctor and Sarah. Maybe um, at one point they're playing checkers and they're just ignoring. You know, the Master comes in and they're just like, "Huh? What? You know." Kind of funny stuff, you know. Are you, the chemistry of like when the episode starts and they're watching the demonstration and the doctor is like explaining to Joe and annoying yeah. the guy, and he goes, "Can I continue?" Oh, please do. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "This thing's evil. This is not good." Yeah, he had a the third doctor really. He likes people that authority. Always likes to jab them and stuff. He's always going in and just at 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 odds with them. At odds with the brigadier quite often, um, so some good stuff with that. Um, I really enjoyed watching this episode again because you know when you have bad Doctor Who, <laughs> you uh, want to watch good Doctor Who to. Uh, the Keller machine wasn't bad either. It was just a simple, yeah, simple device with an alien brain in it that just you know it worked because they were able to transport it, just pick it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, for once, for once in a, you know, this is not an episode that has a rubber monster running around attacking people, and that's refreshing. It's new. The it's dragon. A, well, the dragon was. <laughs> well, it's only on screen for like ten yeah, seconds. Yeah, but it was horrible. But um, it's not really. It's a nightmare thing. Um, you know, Enemy of the World is another one that stands out because you have monsters, 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 and then you have an episode that's more just about people and stuff. This is more like that. This is a very violent episode. There's a lot of There's people like getting shot. There's three stories going on in it. There's the prison, yeah. the killer machine, and the, 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 the peace delegation that mm. starts it off. Yep. It's like it shifts through like three times. Yeah. It actually makes the six-parter not seem like a six-parter because there's all these other things going along, and then it it's kind of goes to another part of the story, and then to another part of the story. So it doesn't really seem like you're sitting through six episodes. Um, they had, they were, some, uh, they were, they borrowed a real missile for this episode. It wasn't a functional missile, but they borrowed it from RAF or something, and they were able to use that as a prop. Um, another appearance by Michael Sheard. He, he's in it. Um, he's, he's been in a lot of Doctor. He's been in a lot of Doctor Who. He was in. Um, Remembrance of the Daleks and 
Casper uh, Bob. Uh, yeah. Um, enemy of the... No, uh, Invisible Enemy. Pyramids of Mars. Ark in Space. No. He was also in an early episode from John... From, um... Whatever, I didn't write it down, but... Um... It's also the early title for this was the Pandora Machine or the Pandora Box. Um, Timothy Combe was a director, and he went way over budget, so Barry Letts removed him from the list, so that's why you know, Timothy Combe never directed another Doctor Who episode. Um, let's see, what else about this? Mind of Evil. Um, the Peak Sen Lim, who is the... Uh, the Chinese delegate, the 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 whatever her her the woman there that she ended up being like the the master spy. Master spy, yeah. Uh, she was she's was married to Don Hutton, and their daughter Sarah Hutton, Houghton or whatever you call it, played Doctor Samantha Madigan in the Sarah Jane Adventures. Really? Yeah. Huh. I don't remember that character, but it was in an episode. I don't remember her either. We should watch those and review them. Um, they, when they were talking Chinese, they had, uh, subtitles, which they had never done in Doctor Who before, uh, and the, that woman's, Pik San Lim, coached people on how to say the Chinese, um, so she was sort of like their, um, their vocal cord coach for learning how to say the, the lines for the, for John Pertwee. So, interesting backstory there, um. So yeah, it's an overlooked episode, I think, because there's no visual monster or something. When you look at the DVD cover, it has a picture of a machine on it. <laughs> but um, they threw in that nightmarish... Oh, there is the... We have appearances by several monsters. The Daleks, you know, oh, the Cybermen, and this the Zarbi. <laughs> it's like, why is that thing there? I liked it when it was working on the Master, and the Doctor was like standing like 10 feet tall, yeah. just pointing and laughing at him. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was just like, like perfect. Yeah. Of course, that the master would fear the doctors. The doctor always, you know, stops him and. Was one of the the fear creatures the the primor primors from uh, Inferno? I can't remember. I don't remember. Because that Don. All I remember is the big Zarbi coming. <laughs> yeah, Don. It was very hard to see. Don Houghton. Um, Don Houghton had also done Inferno. And there was a lot of similarities to Inferno with this, and I thought I had the prime lords, prime you know those those degraded creatures that that are in Inferno were in it, or no? The, the, maybe I'm thinking earlier on it was the flames. So he was remembering that that saw the world go up in flames. So it was reference to Inferno. I think that's what I meant. So that's right. Okay. So anything else about this one? No, I okay. just think it's like a really great part of the best one of the best Pertwee stories. Yeah, I think it for me it goes down the list a little bit because I have a lot of others that I I like, um, and it's one of those ones that oh yeah that's really good. There's no reason for me to put it down this low, but it just you know it doesn't have as much you know. Like I like the visuals of Ambassadors of Death and Terra the Autons and you know so there's a lot of, lot above above it but it's definitely just like Enemy of the World I think it's like the, when I think of 
Patrick Troughton right away. I'm thinking Yetis and Cybermen and stuff, but it's like, wait a minute, you got a really good episode in there, and you know the visuals. There's no there's no signature monster per se, and the signature monster from Mind of Evil is a canister with a glowing <laughs> light, and it's so it's just you know. But the story is is still really good. It, it definitely um, is up there. Anything else? Nope. Thanks for listening.